Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. This morning we're reading from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. I think there are plenty of good reasons to assess our values these days. This is an election year. That's a very practical way our values impact and influence the world around us. And a lot of people are going to be trying to appeal to your values. It's a year of a United Methodist General Conference. And once again, our global delegates will be having conversations about values around things like human sexuality and inclusion. Decisions are going to be made for the wider church that will likely result in conferences, churches, pastors, and people having to determine what their values honor and what lines our values draw. But if we have jobs, families, responsibilities, interactions with others, whatever our place in life, we have a chance to live out our values. Some of them we are very conscious about, others we're not so much. But today we're bringing to the forefront a few of these values that God would magnify and offer before us. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. Everyone is committed to something 
that rules who we are and what we do. Everyone's committed to something that rules who we are and what we do. This command I give you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up and bring it down so we can hear it? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear and obey? The message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart so you can obey it. I think very early in my professional life, my primary driving motivation was to gain exposure. As a broadcast journalist, I probably foolishly chased after jobs that increased my opportunity to be seen and heard, as opposed to opportunities that were more stable, better compensated, or had a better history of journalism. I was interested in being on air quickly and walked away from some other probably more gradual opportunities that may have given me a chance for a longer and more enduring career in broadcast. In retrospect, I know a couple of things. Number one, I was definitely chasing after the wrong opportunities. That was pretty clear. But second, that time in broadcast was an important step, but not ultimately what I was supposed to be doing in my life anyhow. Those values at the time guided some decisions, but they were temporary. My ignorance, combined with God's grace, still led me towards a helpful and lasting path. But I was ignorant, too. I knew what I had been taught about what to look for in early job opportunities. I didn't really have any other great compass for guiding my life at the time other than vows I made to my wife and a fairly generous sort of secular morality and ethical foundation that was increasingly being formed by a deepening Christian faith that I was really just for the first time starting to take seriously in my life. These values weren't terribly intentional, but they were values, and they guided my decisions. Some of it was through conversation and communication with others. Some of it was gut, and at that stage, we're faced with a whole lot of decisions, with a whole lot of adult choices and responsibilities, and our capacity to make those decisions will somehow be limited by what we know and the wisdom that we've attained through our experience. We can't know what we don't know, and so many of the things remain a mystery until we've experienced more of life, attended to other people's successes and their mistakes, and chose to integrate those into our guidance system. Then there are times when we might feign ignorance because the wisdom that we gain conflicts with our underlying values. That's what the Hebrew people were trying to do in this passage. This is the God that set them free, that guided them through the wilderness until there was a, a new generation that no longer was held in the broken mentality of slavery and through clouds of fire and smoke gave them a covenant promise of land and ways to live in peace and justice with one another. And with Moses' parting words to the Hebrew people before they entered into this land of promise, it was now that the Hebrew people started acting again like, what? Who's this Yahweh God you reference here, Moses? You say he's taken some interest in how we live then? Curious, that's news to us. Say, how are we to seek out this mysterious information? I guess it's impossible. Ah, well, on with our lives then. They chose to pretend like God did not want to be known. Like God was all distant and mystery instead of the intimate rescuer who heard their cries and fed them every morning and every night, who led them with strength through uncertainty and treated them as his very own children. 
They were tempted to choose a value that was not aligned with the value of their rescuing God. And Moses reminded them that God's guiding presence had been with them since their mournful cries were first heard. Their God is close at hand. That leads to our second lesson this morning. Accepting God's call to follow faithfully is a choice. Accepting God's call to follow faithfully is a choice. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death and between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter and occupy. In this passage, there's a pretty clear connection made between loving God and walking with God. Jesus reinforced this in a discourse with the disciples before he gave himself up for us. In John 14, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why? Why the emphasis on that? Because if the way we show our love for God is by placing our trust in Jesus, it's tough to say, I do trust you, Jesus, just not the stuff you say or what you tell me I'm supposed to be or do. I'm going to hop on a little bit of a theological tangent for a second. There are traditions that say we don't choose Christ at all, that Christ chooses the elect group that will be saved, and there is another group that, through no choices of their own, are already condemned for eternity. It's God's sovereign choice, and there ain't nothing we can do to choose or reject it. That decision has already been made for us, and that's a belief that is within the bounds of Christianity and is shared by several siblings in our faith. Our Wesleyan Methodist tradition understands that our sovereign God gives us this gift of free will. That even though sin has broken our connection with God and that a fallen world makes that reconnection even harder, the Holy Spirit works so powerfully in the world that God can woo us and lead us to choose him, to choose restoration, to choose or reject Christ's saving work and God's restoration, God's wide invitation for reconciliation, and for eternity. That's part of our heritage and still under the wide umbrella of a historic Christian faith. I like the second option with choice better, and I can make the theological case fairly easily. Still, someday God might tell me I got it wrong, and so I hold that position fairly loosely and with some humility. In this understanding, though, we make some little choices, one really big choice, and then several little choices when it comes to following faith. Little choices start out with things like maybe showing up with someone to church or to a church-like event. Maybe a random reading of a Bible that you found in a hotel nightstand. Maybe hearing a song on the radio that makes you think about there's a possible need in your life for God. And maybe it's talking to people and a thing that you're wrestling with keeps coming up again and again like a sign. And you wonder if there's a greater wisdom behind that. There's something ordering that or if it's just coincidence. After a while, maybe there are enough of these things that stack up until you realize that God has been trying to win your heart all along. Then there's a big choice. It's a choice to recognize that God will lead our lives more perfectly than we can. It's a, church, it's a chance to turn away from selfishness and sin that may have caused harm before some of those things that we've done or the good things that we failed to do. And we lift those things before Jesus who wants to let those things die in our lives so that we can live fully 
And we put those broken pieces down at the foot of the cross and we ask Jesus to forgive us and give us a brand new start. And somehow with that choice, we stop trying to earn God's love and live in the reality that through Jesus, we've received that love perfectly. And then again, there are several little choices that follow that. Maybe there's a habit that's been holding us back and we keep getting a nudge to let that be dealt with. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be healed and we take courageous or humbling first steps to repair a burnt bridge. Maybe it's a, the language that we use to talk about people or an attitude that we carry in our hearts towards a person. Maybe it's a, a pattern of generosity that Christ is trying to work in our hearts. Maybe it's a discipline of prayer or service that God wants to plant in us. I try to speak truth from God's heart that might inspire this renewal in folks. I try to encourage prayer and discernment and personal time that people spend so that they can have that type of discernment, perhaps even with other trusted friends in the faith. I usually don't tell folks just what to do because I, it's not that I don't hold some serious personal convictions, but I don't always presume to know the work that God is doing in somebody's life in particular. I know that God work, wants to work in everyone's life, but I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us learn how it is that God would have me follow faithfully. And I trust the Holy Spirit is leading others as well. And ideally leading us together as a church, the body of Christ, to be transformed and renewed by these choices to follow. Step by step and piece by piece, God is doing a work in our lives like what Paul describes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I think that's the key to this whole series and the key to a satisfying life. Because when it comes down to it, we're created to experience the fullest life available to us and that's only known when we allow ourselves to be remade. If the original creation was made very good and the fall of humanity introduced death and brokenness into this beautiful order, God's design for recovering the original goodness is through the refining work of Jesus in our lives. We can have countless decent morals, ethics, goals, and values, but if we miss this one key element, we'll never know what it means to truly live and to live abundantly. And that leads to our third lesson this morning. Rejecting God's invitation into a relationship also has consequences. Moses goes on, if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. My family had a couple of snowmobiles in the garage that was mostly used for storage behind our house when I was growing up. One usually ran. The other was for parts, mostly. I remember one day as a teen being home alone and wanting to take the snowmobile out into the open fields near our home. There was plenty of snow, so I went out, I fired that bad boy up, and I went out for a little winter joy ride through the farmland. I got probably about a quarter mile away from the house when the snowmobile sputtered to a stop. I tried firing it up again, but nothing. It was not going to go. It was out of gas. Now, at that point, I wasn't really supposed to solo that machine unsupervised because it was fairly dangerous and I shouldn't have ridden alone on something that was not mine in the first place. I was pretty sure nobody would notice this whole joyride experience if I was able to just ride that snowmobile back and garage it, put it in storage again. The odds of that, however, in those moments were feeling pretty low. So my task 
for however long it took, was to push that dead snowmobile a quarter mile back over the snowy cornfield into the garage by myself in the cold. That is kind of how I look at my life before I accepted God's love and direction in my life. It was a short joyride that had some unfortunate consequences, and in the end, I was working really hard to undo some things I've done without any help and without a lot of warmth. That's also a bit how I picture eternity if it weren't for the kindness of God. Life can be a lot of fun without accountability, but it's pretty short. There are some things that we're unable to undo on our own, no matter how hard we push. And to be surrounded by others who are lost in their own mistakes, without kindness, compassion, or help, and without the warmth of an unconditional love, it's no way to live now. It's no way to spend forever. Rejecting a relationship with God may feel for a while like liberty, but it can turn out to be quite lonely and cold. So Moses gave the people a caution. That leads to our fourth lesson this morning. Half-hearted values result in a half-hearted life. Half-hearted values result in a half-hearted life. The final charge, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've seen other folks who get really into their values. There are guys I've met who are so into the value of physical fitness that they cannot wear normal shirts. And it's awkward at parties when they're doing all sorts of calorie calculus to figure out how much fun they can have and how much they'll have to burn off later. You've met people who value financial security to an extreme degree. They'll never show you their Scrooge McDuck vault where they'll be doing swimming laps through mountains of coins later but you do recognize it based on their unwillingness to spend anything in their regular conversations about the long game and reducing risk through a diversified portfolio. You met folks who are tied to religion. Every high and low has a chapter and verse. They'll only go to movies that are rated R for religious. They don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls who do. There are all sorts of ways that we can bind ourselves to values. How do we know that we've bound ourselves to a relationship with God, that we've chosen this pathway that leads to life? Scholars of the Hebrew law in the time of Jesus loved to challenge Jesus. It was a game among rabbis, and it was sometimes a little bit more sadistic and pointed if the rabbi was becoming a little bit too big for his tunic. The Pharisees, which was one group of Jewish leaders, saw Jesus as just such a teacher. And so one of them, we read in Matthew 22, an expert in the law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And there were hundreds to choose from. And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Do we love God? Does God guide your thoughts, your will, and your work with affection? When you think of God's leadership in your life, do you resist the control or release your own grip? Does he come first in our calendars, our balance sheets, our relationships, and our browsing histories? It's a consuming love, a transforming love. It's a contagious love. Do we love our neighbors? 
Do we move quickly towards forgiveness and reconciliation? Are our doors, hands, and hearts open to the inconvenient intrusions of our neighbors as much as their celebrations and joys? Do we desire God's very best for others so much that we'll join with them on this path of discovering and growth in that relationship? Do you love yourself? Have you accepted that through Christ's sacrifice, Jesus has declared that you are washed clean, restored, and enough? That you are a child of God and recipient of an undeserved grace, and there ain't nothing you can do to stop God's relentless love. Do you know that you've been created with a purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made, and in that relationship, you can live life out to the fullest. Those are the values of folks who have chosen this path of life. It's a massive choice that we can make today if we never have before, and it's choices that we make every day to decide that Jesus, our Creator, deserves our love in response to the incredible gifts that He's given us. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we have great need of you. Our lives, they're filled with so much joy. And yet the joys that we have outside of a relationship with you, as much as they seem to fill our hearts, they pale in comparison. The gift of this relationship with you it pales because this is a, a beautiful gift of restoration and fullness of life now and for eternity. God, we're so thankful. We're grateful that if we simply come to you and say, Lord, we need you. Our lives have fallen short. We have done things that would break your heart. And yet your love pursues us still. Because Jesus has offered himself for us. We get to have a brand new beginning, God. Wash us clean. Give us a brand new start. And let us live into that love that we read about, that we hear described, that we see in examples, even if it's imperfectly around us. Help us to aspire to the great things that you have set before us and those ordinary things of your presence that we find day by day that still fill us with awe and gratitude. Lord, let our lives be lived out to the full, with truth, and for eternity, because of this great gift that you've given us. We thank you for all these things, Lord. Lead and guide our values. We ask that you would receive the glory. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.